welcome everybody to the fourth episode already of Data Minds. So it's a it's a podcast about to get to know the people behind the data analytics projects here in Belgium. Um, I'm your host Chris Peters. I'm the, the CEO of Data Minded, and today I'm honored to have with me uh, Martin George, professor at Solvay Business School. Uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Um, and then maybe um, as an introduction, I think it's best that you can introduce yourself to the viewers. So what is your background? Who do you are? Who are you? And what do you do? So my name is Martin Georges. Uh, I teach at Solvay uh, Data Science. I have, uh, I have been involved in analytics since a long time. I would say since the end of the 90s. Wow. And I have, uh, as a background, a PhD in physics, where I did some speech analysis using artificial intelligence a very long time ago. Uh, I have spent after uh, around 20 years in the corporate world, in different roles from analyst to middle manager, and then finally director, senior manager, in charge of team of analytics, mainly in uh, marketing and customer intelligence. And I have voluntarily decided to leave the corporate world five years ago to go back to my first love, which were academics, teaching, and trying to transmit what I have learned during all of these years. Okay, that's, that's quite a career track already. Um, why, why have you made the switch from, from uh, the, the industri industry world to, to academics? You said it's your first love. Well, what do you like more about teaching than, than the industry? In fact, when I was still uh, in the corporate world, I was particularly uh, enthusiastic about developing new data-driven strategy, uh, doing some R&D, but also developing talents. Yeah. And uh, I, I've seen also in many situations that we need more people uh, skilled in analytics in many companies. Yeah. And so the idea has been to go back and to be part of that big journey cool. to have more people in the business world uh, aware enough about what analytics can bring okay. as added value. Cool. So, well, that brings you in your role as, as professor here at Solvay Business School. Can you explain what that means for, for people listening um, who have no idea what Solvay Business School is or what it means to be a professor? So from scratch, what does your day-to-day -day look like? What is the, the value you bring to the organization? Okay, so uh, Solvay Brussels School, it's one of the business school in Belgium, French speaker, but also in master English. Uh, all the courses are, are in English. Uh, this is a master, bachelor and master degree, which prepare a lot of young rats to uh, a world uh, of change. Of this are uh, also a world of uh, using more digital and uh, business-related uh, data activities uh, and giving them, I would say, a broad uh, background in management and or economics, depending on the, the program they, they would uh, choose. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the idea are, it's also, as a professor of data science, to bring a topic like that to all our uh, master program now and to have uh, more and more people equipped with business insight and business knowledge but also being really aware of all of these new technologies, data driven activities 
can really create value for the future place they will work. Indeed, because that, that world is moving quite fast, right? Um, how long have you been a professor here now? Uh, uh, I think it's the fifth year. All right, cool. And uh, yeah, we have seen already a, a lot of changes in the in, in five years in the sense of now we have mandatory courses of data science in each program. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, 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 in, in your view, the company of the future, they will have to be equipped with data scientists to, to win from competition? How do you look at that? I think that there are different challenges for mm. companies in the future and already today which means surely there is a technological mm. challenge. There is surely a people challenge in the sense of having more expert data scientists, data engineer on board. Mm. But there is surely another big challenge to have more business-related people who won't be necessarily the experts, but who would be, uh, I would say, aware enough mm. about how this new way of looking at the business is crucial for the future. So we need more business people who can understand, who can uh, interact with the expert and who has a, a clear view of what all of these new technologies, new way of looking at things through data, is uh, what kind of cre uh, possibilities it creates. Yeah, yeah. Because I can imagine also from my own experience, indeed, I'm often seen as the expert, like the engineer on the other side of the equation. And indeed, so, sometimes I'm really struggling with, if I have to report to C-level um, or to marketing directors or something like that, it's, it's indeed exactly as you say, it's very hard for me, like the world I live in of code and uh, IT and algorithms, to translate that to what a marketing manager needs. There's a big gap there, right? And, and that's probably something you also experienced before you were a professor. Um, and is that also where you try to train your students in becoming more of this analytical translators? Or where, where do you think the, the focus should be there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First of all, yes, indeed. Uh, the idea was uh, to... Um, uh, when I was in the, in the corporate world... Uh, one of the biggest surprise was that the challenge was not so much uh, in the technology aspect or in the pure um, uh, technical aspect, but what would make a difference when you are in charge of a team of experts in analytics in a company uh, have been more the this capability to show yeah. the real added value that this yeah. expert can create and make it actionable and create a source of creation of value for the end user and decision maker. So the communication aspect among all of the other aspects of technological aspect, technique, pure technical, quant, etc., are surely necessary condition of success, uh, but not sufficient. Yeah. And the role of being able to, to make the link between this expertise and the, the, the person who can benefit from the results, it's sometimes a real big challenge. Yeah, yeah, like I can can definitely relate. I remember we we've done a project in the past where I think we delivered quite a cool model to to predict customer satisfaction based on some very technical parameters. But then in the end, and that's maybe also our mistake, but the, the model never got adopted by business, so they never used the the predictions we made. 
And it's it's a frustrating from both sides, right? Because business spends a lot of money on us. Um, and then in the end, you might have the best model somewhere in your database systems. Um, but if you're not using it, you're not getting any, any return on investment from that. But also from our side, from the engineering and data science side, it's quite frustrating. You spend quite a lot of time building something and then you never see it being used. You just see it being shelved. It's, it's a real thing in business. And I think people indeed underestimate the... Uh, how often that sometimes can happen, right? How, how quickly things can get lost in translation between the two. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so do you see some, some um, you already mentioned it's, it's not just technology or technical because indeed, I agree with you, there are definitely technology challenges, but they're solvable, right? There's like, we don't have enough compute power. What are the options? Like, okay, there's three, there's three options. I recommend to go for option two and you can solve that problem. But the, the culture and people problem is very often deeper than that. And you can't just solve it with a simple PowerPoint, like, hey, we need to work more closely together and then everything will happen, right? It's, it's a much harder problem to solve, I guess. Um, and maybe there, can you share from experience, like the things that you've seen going wrong in the past there, um, maybe a concrete example of where you saw these things going lost in translation and what you would recommend doing to, to, to solve that problem? Right? Yes, I... I have seen different situations uh, like that. So an island of yeah. data scientists developing very amazing intellectual products, but uh, a bit isolated yeah, on typically. the island, which yeah. means not creating a real uh, value chain for the company. Yeah. And this was very... It was a very frequent observation, unfortunately, in different yeah. environments, that we need to, to really build some transversal value chain, yeah. which means putting together different competencies from the business we would like or the quest business question we would like to, to tackle until the delivery and the concrete deployment yeah. of the, the results. And in the meantime, a lot of more technical activities of acquiring the data, preparing them, uh, modeling them, interpreting, etc. So it means the story is a, is a very transversal one where a different uh, number of stakeholders coming from different worlds are supposed to interact with each other, yeah. understanding each other mm -hmm. and being all together uh, a part of the final uh, value chain. Yeah. And this is key, and this is probably uh, one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. And since today, I would yeah, yeah, I imagine. And it, to be honest, it's, it's quite obvious when you say it like that. Like, of course, you need to think about the entire value chain and what you do with it. But I, I, I definitely I see the same. What I often see is um, a company, like, we need to do data science. And now the new buzzword is AI. We need to do AI. So what they do is they, they create a lab environment and in that lab environment you have a bunch of data scientists playing around for two years and after two years they go like, wait, why, why are we putting money in this thing? What's coming out? Well, nothing is really coming out. Well, of course not. Did you think about what you would do with the outcome of what the data scientists would do and do they have to dream up their own requirements or do they get to interact with business? And yeah, it's, it's, it's something I've seen in the past as well. And, and, Typically for large companies, they sometimes can spend a lot of budget on this, but sooner or later, somebody will get nervous, right? Sooner or later, somebody will say like, look, we spent already $2 million on this, there's nothing coming out. So let's have a, it's always a painful process. So it's also my recommendation when we go to clients, it's um, 
if you just want to do big data for this, for the purpose of big data, then then probably it's a bad idea. I, I I am interested in which business problems you want to solve and how this relates to what big data can bring you to to to, to solve that problem. But if if it's just big data for the sake of it, then the likelihood of failing is quite high, right? And um, yeah. Yeah, and on that uh, I uh, I have also observed many times that uh, a step which is sometimes underestimated is the challenging yeah the, the the technical people should challenge more the business people who have this idea of tackling such problem or the other one and spending more time to before studying any uh, concrete analysis to challenge more the person who is the requester to be yeah. sure then the request is crystal clear yeah. and th that at the end of the process there is an insurance of deployment and actionability if the results of the analysis yeah. and of the prototyping phase uh, are really uh, positive yeah. and doing as you mentioned I fully agree with you uh, just doing analytics for analytics for the beauty of it it's probably very challenging intellectually at the moment Yeah. But on the long term, it does not create really added value for companies. And at the end, it is yeah. how and why we will continue to receive budget as analysts yeah. to develop more things. So yeah. we, you need to, we need to have, a, um, at the end, an ROI of yeah. this activity. Absolutely. And if we are not able, with small uh, uh, proof of concept, to show this potential future value, more and more people, uh, yeah. decision maker would be a little bit reluctant to, to put money. As they should, people, right? As they which should. is yeah, normal. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they much rather have keep the money on the bank and get, get a little bit of interest on that, right? It's, it's better than just throwing it in a black hole somewhere, yeah. Um, so you already shared there, um, like you need analytics translators to, to, to bridge the gap between the two worlds. You also mentioned that the technical people should push back sometimes a bit more. I also notice that maybe if that's something that you also perceived, but very often if you talk to business, if you want to know like what do they want, very often it's not clear what they actually want. Like it's very often it's yeah we need to we need to do better here. But it's very vague like we need better predictions here. But but then what? And how do you want to make the predictions? And just that journey of aligning with business like this is the outcome we're aiming for. Will we like like a client asked us once? Can you guarantee that your algorithm will be will be perfect within five or ten percent? Like you can never know that upfront, right? But that's the kind of let's say expectations they have. Like a few geniuses will come in and they will make perfect predictions all all the time. No, that's not how it goes. So it's a lot of educating the business as well. Like what is the outcome that you would be happy with? How will you measure that outcome? And then iteratively you go towards that outcome, but then. Sometimes, of course, because also for us, it's a client, uh, a client relationship. You can't always promise the client, like, for sure, we're going to get there, right? Um, is that something you've seen as well in, in, in your experience when you talk to especially big companies? Because that's my experience that they have a lot of inflated expectations. Right? Like we just throw all of the data in a big bag box and everything will be perfect on the other side, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. see that too. And this yeah. is also why on an education perspective and I would say on an executive education perspective, the idea would have more training for managers in companies to also uh, 
help them to create the mental view of analytics yeah. development, which means having a clear view of what they could expect and what could be uh, also the, the reality yeah. of the deliveries they can benefit from, which means that uh, this is great to, to have a lot of technology, but as you mentioned, what are the real things you can count on as a yeah. decision maker when this job has been done on the right way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how do you typically approach that? So if, if I'm a, a manager or an executive at a large company, would you recommend me to, to work with my peers within my company and, and do training internally with, with, with some external help? Or would you advise me to do classroom training where I can learn from other companies? Or how, how, what, what is the best approach there? I would say that for me, two, aspect are two main aspects are important. First of all, if you come from the same company, it could be great to have people coming from the business side of your company, the IT, and for the analytical one together. So recreating this kind of embryonary yeah. value chain by putting the people who yeah. are supposed to participate to the same value chain together. So yeah. this, I would say, capitalizing on this functional uh, cross-fertilization. Absolutely. In addition to that, approaching the same problem with the eyes of different industries could be also interesting. So typically, yeah. uh, if we think about a problem like the prediction of churn, which is a very well-known problem in, uh, in telcos yeah, for a long, since a long time, but churn is also a problem for all these different business, from retail to banking to yeah. uh, energy, etc., so it is also interesting to have a same uh, problem to tackle where yeah. data can play an interesting and an important role to solve it and see how from the eyes and from the, the lens of different industries and the different constraints in each of them, how the same question can be approached yeah. very differently. So leveraging also this uh, cross-industry uh, cross-fertilization. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think it's two very important things you just said there. The one is that just within the company, bringing the different functions together, like a business unit manager and an IT specialist and a data scientist, it might seem obvious because you work for the same company, just have lunch together and discuss. But that's not trivial, right? Very often, you you where you meet in the in the in the hierarchy of the company is at, at the CEO level because then it's the CMO here and and the marketing manager is somewhere below the CMO. And then all your IT stuff are behind the CIO. Maybe your data scientists report to the CFO. And so I do think exactly one of the struggles of a lot of companies is that there's not enough interaction between these departments. And I think that's indeed cool. I've witnessed some of your programs that within a company, you bring these different profiles together. And just even if there's nobody else in the room, just that interaction is already super cool. So, so that's one aspect. And then, as you said, indeed, like everybody wants to reduce churn, right? There's not a single company that I've met as that I don't care about. Everybody cares about churn. So there's a lot of common problems that you can reuse across industries. And, and there you can, if you're in banking, you can definitely learn from a telco. If you're a car manufacturer, you can definitely learn from a retailer. And so also that fertilization is, is super, super important, absolutely. Um, and is this something that you would say um, you do a crash course of a day or this is a journey where we're going to guide you for an entire year or, or what, is, what is the best approach there if, 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 you, if you guide these people? 
I think depending on the time you would like to invest in, We have uh, an approach that works pretty well so far, which means uh, nine months of distillating a little bit uh, different part of the multidisciplinary aspect of data science. So providing some uh, content on on the technical aspect, uh, on the quant aspect, on the business application and the way also you create projects like that Mm -hmm. and see how you can uh, create some Uh, own uh, awareness of how you can use such knowledge in your respective Mm -hmm. uh, environment and the idea what is very important is in addition to the lectures giving some material to start to uh, encourage a maximum of learning by doing yeah super important yeah so cases practicing putting the hand in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the machine, trying to code, seeing how is it, how is it sometimes challenging, which help also to to really uh, ground uh, what yeah. what is the challenge. Because slides can only bring you this far, right? The slides give you a good overview, but if you really want to have a deep understanding, like getting your hands dirty, is definitely something I would recommend as well. If, if you look at the journey that your students typically go through, so both business and IT and data science students, is there a, some aspect? that you see coming back that they're typically always struggling with? What, what are they struggling with more than others? Is, is it, are there patterns there? Um, I would say be aligned on, uh, be sufficiently aligned with the, the uh, same jargon to be sure that they are listening to each other. Uh, also not being too stuck quickly in technology Mm-hmm. and uh, using the technology as an enabler but not yeah. as an end by itself absolutely uh, and also uh, um, I would say never forget the real objective and keep in mind that the why yes. this yeah. activity the why of this investment just to be sure that at the end we will deliver value yeah. cool yeah. alright um, maybe that brings us to, to um, let's say, the future of data and data analytics. So you're, you have kind of a privileged view because you have quite a lot of experience in the industry already. Now as a professor, you meet a lot of different companies and a lot of different profiles. Where do you think we're heading in terms of data and data analytics? What do you see as new developments and, 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 and what, what, how will the landscape look different five to ten years from now than it looks today? I would say it will be more a hope than something else. I I would hope that we will have more uh, development in the organizational part of analytics, which means I'm sure that we will continue to have a lot of technology, more and more data, uh, yes, but that we will have, I would say some new way of putting in practice or orchestrating all of these enablers together, which means seeing more data culture starting to to be put in place and really working. Mm -hmm. Also uh, reflecting on more profile that we have to hide, yes, but also how we can also, I would say, leverage the existing person in the different companies and give them the sufficient uh, training and education to find ways to uh, to involve them in the future in all of this transformation. 
and also, uh, which is probably a very big challenge, cultivating more evidence-based decision-making, which means yeah. using more data each time it would be possible. I didn't say that the idea is not to decide anymore based on experience and intuition, but bringing more data yeah. systematically in the, in the decision-making process and trying to see where also we can have some more data automated decision that yeah. which are potentially simple decision to take where human could focus themselves on where they can bring real added value and continue to bring added value absolutely. as human uh, absolutely I, I, especially what you said in the end there is that it doesn't have to be one or the other it doesn't have to be either we are completely data driven and or we are mindless mindless robots that just execute what the model brings or we're completely working from our stomach our gut feeling no it, it, it can be both definitely and and where it, where it shines best is that for the most boring tasks let a machine do the boring tasks let the machine do the boring predictions and that use all your brain power to do the like the very cutting edge intuitive creative thinking that you need now like i don't even know what my business will look like three months or five or, or one year from now have your brightest people work on that instead of simple let's say well, simple churn prediction. I don't want to don't want to diminish that, but at some point it becomes like a, a typical churn management program. Once that's set up, it should be eighty percent automated and twenty percent should be human expertise. Eighty percent should be robots, right, or, or whatever you want to call them, machine learning algorithms, mm -hmm. AI. Um, maybe related to that, and I don't know if there's one true question, but one thing I've uh, one true answer. But one thing I always wondered is, if you're a large organization. Um, does it make sense to centralize all your data science and data engineering capabilities or does it make sense to decentralize it completely or, or is the answer somewhere in the middle? Uh, what, do you, what do you think this is going towards? I would say for me it depends on the level of maturity. Okay. And when you start to develop a capability like that, probably it could be great to have first a very centralized way to create this community of experts, creating also the stakeholder management with the different players in mm -hmm. that new ecosystem, and to start to build a kind of uh, a trust aspect mm -hmm. related to, uh, to, uh, to, to support a competence like that. Yeah. But when the maturity starts to become mm -hmm. uh, more and more important, uh, the idea is to be able to deploy this person a maximum in the different places where they can create value. But for that, they need to have a strong, uh, first, a strong competencies in the analytics and have started to build trust with the different stakeholders. Yeah. And then after, yes, surely decentralizing them, because... This is a domain where it's not just about the technical aspect alone. No. It's about a permanent interaction with the domain knowledge experts. And if you are near to these people, the, the symbiose would be probably and definitely Absolutely. better. Absolutely. And um, so if you see how companies are evolving um, now, how do you think education can help them to be better prepared in the future? Well, you mentioned a few things already. But what do you think is the role of education to help prepare, let's say, Belgian companies for this more data-centric uh, future? 
to have more people aware, yeah. a little bit everywhere in the organization, and not just the boardroom who can be trained about that, or just the team who have the expert guys on board. But we need more hub in yeah. the organization. If the organization can be seen as a network of conversation, okay. we need more hub people spread Everywhere. in the different places in the, yeah. within the company to, I would say, relay this, this way of mm. uh, thinking. And for that, we need to have more middle manager experts in different domains which can have a different yeah. view on that and it's important that we could find this type of people more frequently and a bit everywhere in the organization because challenge can be in the finance, can be in marketing, can be in risk, can be in facilities. Yeah. And this is always uh, uh, important to have some people who have this combination of domain knowledge and this capability to think more analytically yeah. everywhere in the company. That makes a lot of sense indeed. Um, okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks for the insight. Um, so we talked a bit about the future. Now also let's look back in, in your career. In hindsight, are there things, are there lessons learned for you? Are there things that knowing what you know today, you would have approached differently five years ago or ten years ago? Uh, I would say I have changed many times from one company to another looking for new challenges. Yeah. And uh, with the experience I have now, probably in some cases at the moment of recruitment, uh, I would uh, challenge more the interviewer or the people who would be interested to yeah. hire me on board by being sure that all the basic conditions of success would have been uh, uh, defined clearly before deciding. Okay which means there are some very uh, specific questions that can help to create ourselves a kind of view of what could be the maturity of uh, in analytics in that, in that place. Mm -hmm. And uh, if this question would have been asked more clearly and more formally, I would probably learn that in some place I would have accepted to work yeah. it would be better perhaps to to do something else yeah no well i can definitely relate because also my experience well before starting my own company that some people can lie on their cv but some companies can also lie in their interviews it's, it's they promise the world they promise everything and then the moment you start there it's, it's completely different um that's also why well, we work a lot with data engineers and well f for them it's there's a lot more demand for data engineers than there is supply, right? So it's their market. If they come to interview with us, they indeed, they, like we ask them questions, like how good are you? And then we test them a bit, but they are testing us as well. Like, like I have five offers. Why, why would I join data minded, right? Um, and I always, I'm not doing a perfect job, of course, but I also always try to be as transparent as possible. Like we're not, we're not the next Google. We're not going to solve world hunger. This is what we do day to day. If this gets you excited, then please join. If this is not for you, then, then let's not waste each other's time because you'll be frustrated three months from now and, and, and nobody wins in the end, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and in big company, one of the key factors uh, is to, to be sure that we have on the boardroom one person who is, I would say, genetically convinced that analytics can change the world and understand enough, uh, then it's now 
something has to be done and that there is a room for uh, innovation about that, but also to put in place new way of working and new way of deciding. Yeah. And uh, if you have a visionary guy in the boardroom about analytics, it really changes. Yeah, I yeah, can imagine. The choice. But I guess you don't know that on your first interview, right? Would you recommend people just ask that? Or how would you, how would you tackle that? I would ask a few proxy questions just to give a okay. first date. So just to understand where is analytics organized and how it is organized today. Yeah. And if the answer is it is in the IT department or it is in the finance department, I will probably try to... <laughs> start to have my alert system uh, ringing a little bit. Yeah. Um, or when a question related to how data are organized, what type of data, how, how uh, many months of historical do you have in your backup yeah. stuff, etc. How is it <laughs> available, etc. Which are already some proxy yeah. about where, where is the maturity. Absolutely. Also... Um, the way they have proposed uh, the job description can be also very yes. already uh, illustrative of where this company is. Uh, and also a clear uh, articulation about how analytics is part of the strategy of the future. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they can't answer you that, that question, they already have an indication that probably they're not... They're not there yet, which you might also see as a challenge, right? Uh, you might be the person that brings them there, but yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle sometimes. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, well, it was very pleasant talking to you. Thanks for making the time for the interview and uh, best of luck uh, in your future as a professor here at Solvay. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was a pleasure to have this conversation together. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Matthew.